Welcome back to Kingdom Connections Podcast. I'm Pastor Luke with Kingdom Generation Church. And we are in day five, looking at Galatians 5. And day five starts off with a question. Who hindered you? I'm going to warn you all that probably in the background, you'll hear my cat crying to come down and spend some time with me. So you might hear some some cat cries in the background, but that's okay. We're going to go on anyway. But the question is, who hindered you? This is a major, major question that we have to ask ourselves once we see ourselves slipping. Once we notice a slip, once we notice the Holy Spirit telling us, Luke, you're slipping. Luke, I don't see you. Luke, you're far from me. And I have to say, or ask myself, who hindered me? What ideology did I start to believe in over what the Lord has said in his word? What did I start to believe in, pay attention to, take hold of, take faith in besides him? What did I put in front of me instead of him and everything that he represents. So this whole thing is about understanding who we are in the spirit and how we should operate. So Galatians 5, to 23 says, But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And Paul says, The fruit of the spirit, meaning there's only one fruit composed of all of these parts. And the reason why it's one fruit is because it works all together. It should work all together. And we who have the spirit have these attributes. And for us, for these, for this seed to grow and for this to manifest and be evident in our life, for this fruit to grow, we have to have holy encounters with the Lord. We have to read his word and understand it. We have to meditate on it and have him use our imagination to understand what he is talking about so we can imply his word to us. There's some truth that go- there's some truths that are going to be revealed here that have really helped me personally because we're living in a world where everyone is deceived, everyone is going their own way, everyone is trying to worship how they want to worship, everyone is taking the Bible and cherry picking certain verses that apply to them and feed their flesh. No one wants to sacrifice. Well, I shouldn't say no one. No one. I shouldn't speak in absolutes. But few people are making the necessary sacrifices that please God. It's that faith thing that pleases God. And we have to get back to pleasing him. So we're going to look at Galatians 5, 7 through 13. And it reads here, You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettled you would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, 
but through love serve one another. Who hindered you? The only way you can be hindered is through a lie. It's through deception. Deception is running rampant. Deception means there, there is a person or an entity that is causing someone to believe something that is not true. And usually when they're, when they're telling their lies, it's mostly because they're trying to gain some sort of personal advantage. They're trying to gain something from you. So when the enemy comes to you and tells you a lie, when those demons that uh, come to you and say this and say that, the whole point is for you to be drawn away from God's grace and God's mercy. Try to draw you away from the, the things that God has delivered you from. Mostly his presence, because in his presence, there's fullness of joy. In his presence, all of these things are working. When we are operating in the kingdom as we should, we are not deceived. We are not hindered. But once the the enemy looks within our lives and sees something that they can that he can grab onto he uses that one thing that one hurt that one offense that thing that feeds your flesh and he uses it and promotes and pushes in a lie to push you away from the lord that's deception humans use it all the time it's called advertisement advertisement has deception all over it just look at the McDonald's burger on TV. What we get doesn't look like what's on TV. Deception. Look at this, the skinny pill. The, this pill is going to make you skinny. There are, some, there are some pills that suppress your appetite. But there's so many pills and things and supplements out there. This is going to make you skinny. But instead, this makes them rich. And what they're doing is they're preying on your insecurity. I want to be skinny. I want to have a supermodel build. I want to be a bodybuilder. I want my body to be perfect so I can gain all this attention. But you want all this attention because you're insecure. Look at teens and young adults in, in, their, in their relationships. The big thing that's always constantly thrown around is, I love you. I want to hear it. I love you. And they say these things. Why? Do they really love them? Not so much. There is uh, an emptiness they're trying to fill and it results in physical closeness of an inappropriate kind. And you might have a woman preying on a man because that does happen. Or you might have a man preying on a woman and they prey on your insecurities, your loneliness, your, your ignorance, your desire for acceptance. That's what they do. That's what happens all the time, every single day. Deception. So deception preys on one's insecurity. Deception does other things too. But the main thing is there's a lie that's there based upon something that you're not certain about, something that you're not confident about, something that you're not educated about. Just think about all the times that you have been deceived. Think about the, that time that you have been deceived and you found out that you have been. What was the end result? What was the reason why you were deceived? Was it an insecurity? Most of the time, it wasn't insecurity. 
I was deceived many times based upon my insecurities. And it caused me to sin. Because instead of searching and finding God, so he can fill what I was, what was lacking in my life, I sought the world. I sought myself. And the enemy deceived me into thinking that I had all power in my hand alone to change my circumstances and to make it better. And that never came. Most times we don't like the truth and we refuse to face it. So instead we avoid it. Or we find a quick fix. A lot of times we like to suppress things. Suppression is a major form of deception. Do this thing and push down that truth. Do this thing so this truth can be pushed down, pushed down, pushed down. It can be pushed down so far that you forget that you have that hurt. You forget that it's there. And then it takes counseling. It takes deliverance. It takes self-awareness. It takes the Holy Word. It takes the Holy Spirit to, to pump truth into your life for those lies to be so, so you won't believe those lies. So your belief won't be in those lies. Deception is strong. And this is what was happening with the people in Galatia. So we're going to look at verses 7 through 13 and look at each verse. And try to understand just a little bit about what Paul was talking about. So verse 7 says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Who hindered you from obeying the truth? That's where I got the title from, because these verses talked about the deception. So the first part says, who are you were running well? You're going along in this life just fine. Running implies that you have an active belief, a belief that you have acted upon, a belief in the finished work of Christ, that, that you, you believe in the, in the complete redemption of the Holy Spirit. Of your relationship with you and the Father. You have that belief. And when you believe in something, you're making life decisions based upon surrounding that belief. But something came along and changed your mind. We all know that we are unworthy and we don't deserve what the Lord has given us. I surely don't deserve it. I don't know anyone who does. But that shows and demonstrates the love of Christ. So we just accept that he loves us. Okay, Lord, you, lo you love me. I accept that. But sometimes we don't accept it. And what we do is we try to earn that love. We, have, we, we try to earn that love that has already been given. So some, someone came in and started to have people in Galatians believe that works, doing things, was necessary to help the, the, the finished work of Christ. That I need to help Christ by, by doing these works. Or I need to show or demonstrate that I'm worthy of Christ's love. You never will be worthy. You never will be worthy of his love. Because you sinned. Even one sin makes you unworthy. So who cares? Your work is not going to do anything. You don't work to be saved. You work because you're saved. So this is a major hindrance, still active today. That spirit that was in that person, it's still here today. I have to work it out. But that is hindering people. Who hindered you 
do you see that you're blind? Do you see that there's a block? Do you see that you're stumbling? Do you see that you that you have been persuaded to stumble? Who made this truth look like a lie and the lie a truth? Were your roots firmly planted? Were you really rooted in what you understood from Paul in the beginning? How easily were your roots uprooted? Verse 8, this persuasion is not from him who calls you. This is the kind of teaching or, or ideology that doesn't match up with the picture of redemption. This is a gospel or a truth of works or a, a ministry of works. This is not redemption, but works that's being taught. And someone is persuading the Galatians to add rituals to the gospel. This is a false gospel that we have to do something to get something. When you were given that birthday gift, all you had to do was exist. All you had to do was be born. You were born on September 30, September 30th. You were born on September 30th. And because you were born, someone had it in their heart to give you that gift. Because you were born, they had it in their heart to give you that toy for a child or that car for the rich people who can afford cars. Did you ask, uh, can you ask for a car for your birthday and get it? Sure. Did you earn it? No. It was a gift that was freely given. <clears throat> you didn't have to bring out or go to the bank and get a loan to buy that car. You didn't have to work all these hours to save up money to buy that car. No, that car was given to you. That gift was given to you. That diamond ring was given to you. Those clothes were given to you. So we don't have to work for these things. It's a gift. So no man will boast according to Ephesians. But someone has been persuading you to think otherwise. Number nine says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. I said, what is leaven? What is leaven? Leaven is yeast. Listen to this quote. This is not my quote. Quote, leaven or yeast does not remain isolated in a single spot within a lump of dough. It spreads and becomes part of the entire loaf. In a similar way, false teaching and its consequences are never limited to just a few people in a group. It is either rejected or removed, or it works its way into the thoughts and practices of the whole group. False ideas are contagious. They spread and take hold, end quote. Yeast does not remain in one dot or one area of the dough. It goes all over the place. It spreads because it it's supposed to have a, it, it. There's a reaction or there's something that has has to happen in the dough for it to rise or for it to react or for you know in the whole cooking process. I'm ignorant. I'm ignorant to it. So it, yeast does something. I think it makes the dough rise. But just like Yeast spreads throughout the whole lump. Yeast is not the bad thing, but the bad thing is the false teaching. If we don't find out or label or, or 
have this false teaching shed to light on us, reject it or remove it, it's going to spread through the entire group and we are all going to act upon it. If I was a lay member and there's a preacher that came and constantly preaches works or constantly preaches that, oh, you have to speak in tongues to have to have the Holy Spirit or you have to uh, you have to be baptized in order to go to heaven or you uh or, or there are many different roads to, to heaven. You don't have to believe in Christ. You just really have to believe in love. God wouldn't sp speak about, uh, Jesus wouldn't pray, uh, preach uh, about hell or the, a loving God wouldn't send people to hell. There's all these different things that people believe. And it makes the way into the church. And it spreads discourse and this distrust and we have a hard time relying on the gospel, on what the word says, because we're misinterpreting it and misunderstanding it, because we're not in line with what the Holy Spirit is saying. If we don't reject some of these things, sorry, Lord, forgive me. If we don't reject all false teaching, it will spread like wildfire. You've heard the quote, a rotten apple spoils a bunch. It does have one rotten apple. And if that rotten apple touches a different apple, that nice fresh apple will now decay. Because of its association with the rottenness of the other apple. You got to throw out those things. Sometimes people don't like to separate themselves from the rottenness. Or they won't deal with it by studying and in being attached to the Lord. So what you have to do is you have to reject that entire person. Once they come to this instance, you can welcome them back. But sometimes you got to give people their space or you got to ask them to leave and, and or, or step down from a position. If they're not preaching the right things. Ten. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. So old Jewish law was trying to infuse uh, into the faith of God or Christ alone. The ideas of what Jewish people believe what Jewish law was, was trying to be infused in how we become one with Christ. So the idea that was being introduced here or pressed upon was circumcision and circumcision was being passed down uh, throughout the church saying you have to get circumcised men have to get circumcised in order for you to be holy which is an interesting way of thinking about it because circumcision back then had necessarily had to do with holiness but just being set apart from the other people it was a cultural thing but they're bringing over circumcision as a spiritual thing. It is, in a sense. It is because circumcision has to do with, it, with cutting away spiritually. But they were bringing the actual physical acts of circumcision as if that matters to God. It doesn't. So it's safe to assume that the person who's drawing other people away or drawing the Galatians away was of the Jewish faith. 
and he was bringing his old ideas, the the fulfilled ideas that Christ have already fulfilled those laws into the current church. So he was preaching directly against Paul's spirit-filled or spirit-inspired teaching. So when Paul says that he had confidence that the Lord will, uh, that, 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 that the people will take no other view, he had confidence that these Galatians are going to run the race, but he didn't have confidence in the people. He had confidence in the Lord and the power that's in the Lord. We can't put our confidence in man that they're going to comply. We can hope they're going to comply, but we have no guarantee that they will because we all have free will. We can only guarantee 100% without the shadow of a doubt that the Lord is going to come through, that the Lord is going to try or do what he can do or do what he does to convince the people to turn back the right way. And the Lord most definitely possesses that power to turn people back. But you, ha- but we have a responsibility to take the steps for us to get turned back. We have to realize first before we do anything. We can't take steps towards something that we're not realizing. So we have to realize that deception is there and then take the steps to go and be able to get right with God. You repent. You, you, you show that these lies that you've been told are lies. And replace them with truth. Don't just say that they're lies. But why are they lies? Compare them. Don't just say, oh, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. Tell me why. There is evidence in the Bible. There is evidence against the lies that the enemy brings. And if you don't want to use the evidence of the Holy Word, it's because you just don't believe. That's just an unbelief. You don't want to believe that the Bible is true. You don't want to believe that um, Christ really did what he did on the cross and it means something and it's real and it's working and it's active. He is on the throne. He is alive today. We don't want to believe that because it doesn't feed our flesh. Who cares about your flesh? Your flesh didn't save anyone. It can't even save you. It didn't save me. So the Paul had complete confidence that the Lord was going to transform the Galatian church into a church that worships worships him in spirit and in truth. He also trusts in the vengeance of the Lord, that whoever is who is spreading false teaching is going to reap the penalty of that sin. I would never want to be caught. I shouldn't say caught. I never want to, period. Spread false teaching. Lord, I say right now on this podcast and record it for all to hear, whoever hears. That, Lord, correct me. Correct me. He's already been correcting me and having me change some of the words now. Correct me, Lord, when I say the wrong thing. Because I do not want to misrepresent you and suffer the penalty of that. Number 11. Or verse 11. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. So Paul is still being persecuted. His point is very clear here. When he talks about righteousness, when he talks about the requirements to be saved, he's on point. He's doing exactly what the Holy Spirit is telling him to do and teaching exactly what the Holy Spirit wants him to teach. 
But he had an excellent point here. Paul's point was this. He says, if I'm, this is me making this up as if I'm Paul. If I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I being pursued? Why am I being persecuted by Jewish leaders? If I was in agreement with the Jewish leaders, with them, I would have relational peace. He would have total peace with these Jewish law, with, with these Jewish leaders. But instead, they're pursuing him and trying to kill him. They're beating him, they're him. All these things have happened to him. If he was preaching the cross, persecution was going to happen. That's what Jesus said. So this whole reason for persecution is offense. People hate to be offended. I don't like being offended, but I got to get used to being offended. I hate being offended. I'm going to tell you the truth. I hate being offended. But I must learn how to deal with offense. And I am learning how to deal with offense. Because this is just man and just fallen demons who are condemned to hell. I put my trust in the Lord. And what he says. So people falsely teach out of offense. They're offended by what the word of God says, so they change it. People lie out of offense. People gossip and slander out of offense. People cheat on others out of offense. And they cheat others out of offense. And people fight and kill out of offense. Everyone is offended, 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 offended. So when, one, when people are offended, they go to the extreme to show how offended they are. By lying, by gossiping, by slandering people's names, by cheating, by killing. By spreading all, all discourse, deception. All in the realm of pride. These Jewish leaders were offended at Paul because they had such pride in themselves that, and they felt so holy that whatever I do is perfect, whatever I do is holy, whatever I do is accepted by God. The offense was the lack of value in human tenacity and work. Works. We have great tenacity naturally, but the tenacity is not for self-gain. We have tenacity and we have this power so we can actively pursue God, not ourselves. Everything that we have is for him and points towards him. The offense was attack on their pride, like always. Verse 12 says, I wish those who unsettled you would emasculate themselves. Paul goes extra. And, and when people read about the emasculate themselves, they say, what does that mean? It means cut it off. Cut off your manman, your, your physical manness. It seems like an, like an emotional statement out of anger. I'm just so angry that you went against me. But it's not sinful anger. He, he, is, he has the Lord's anger, a righteous anger. And this righteous anger was displayed by Jesus when he turned over the tables in the temple. So he's saying that, why stop at circumcision? Go ahead and totally castrate yourself. Be super holy. This is a rabbit hole that they're leading themselves into. 
why well, start at just stop at just the foreskin? Just cut up, cut off the whole entire thing. Then you will be super and extra holy. It is a terrible thing to take God's word and twist it for personal gain. And I am afraid for the people who are doing that. And I say this prayer right now, Lord Jesus, that you help those, Lord, who are in in authority in your church and change their speech to match exactly what your holy word is saying and not what politics is saying, not what the word, what the world is saying, not what their flesh is saying. No, we need you to come into our mouths and say what you say. We need to study and understand for ourselves, Lord. And we invite you into our secret place, into our place, Lord, when we are doing these things. Help us not to do this divorced of you. Amen. I, I, I feel for the people who are on the way of hell, on, on their way to hell, because they have misrepresented Christ. We have the freedom to do anything we want, but everything isn't lawful. Everything doesn't gain. Everything doesn't point towards Christ. Most things don't. In verse 13, it says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And Paul is saying, walk in the spirit and the spirit only. The truth will always be before you. If you do that, you will always be walking in truth. If you walk in the spirit and the spirit only, pay attention to what the, the spirit is saying to you, how you respond to people. You will always be walking in truth. Don't be so quick to judge. Don't be so quick to um, to slander. Don't be so quick to respond to accusations. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you so you can respond a certain way or not respond. You're always going to judge. I say quick to judge because sometimes we like to judge in our flesh. But we all judge and we all will judge. We will judge angels. We are going to judge. That's what we do as humans. But we have to judge righteously. And that takes us walking in the spirit. So what is going to prevent all of this deception? What's going to open up our eyes? Truth. There must be a willingness and an openness to listen to the truth and a type of humility to accept it. You can listen all you want, but if you don't accept it, if you don't believe it, that truth is not going to do anything. In order for you to even pursue the idea of seeing if the deception or the lie is a lie, you need to be open to the possibility that you could be wrong because we could be wrong. We have been wrong. We have a history of being wrong. That's why we need a savior. So why don't you think that you will be wrong again after you are saved? This whole thing is not talking about sinners. This is talking about people who are already in church. People who are already consider themselves to be the church. Church people are so closed-minded. You have to be open to the spirit. Be open to him. Be open to his word. And to know that you are always going to be improving. You are always going to be shedding off those inner things. 
Yes, you can be delivered of habitual sin, of strongholds, but it doesn't mean that you're walking in perfection. You're not. You never will until you have this new body. So you always have to be aware of what needs to be improved upon because you always have to constantly be improving, always constantly being uh, closer to God because the closer you get to the Lord, the more wrong you seem to be. The more, like, I, I feel more and more dirty the, more, the closer I get to the Lord because of the corruption that has been settled in from this world. So we have to constantly be on our P's and Q's, be open to the Spirit, and humbly accept what the Spirit of the Lord is telling you.